Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn, and joining me, my lovely co-host, Emily Schiltz. Hey, guys. Emily, how are you today? What's new in life? Well, uh, we didn't celebrate Valentine's Day, so that's not new, though. Um, uh, we got a house. Yeah? Yeah, that's not awesome. to buy. Uh, we're renting. Very cool. So for the listener, if you didn't know, we lived with Davey. My husband and I <laughs> lived with Davey um, from like March through December yeah, of this last year. year. Yeah. And then he got engaged and married, which is really exciting. Yeah. And so we literally just swapped houses. It's like house swap. <laughs> With Christy. So uh, my husband, Kent, and I are living in Christy's apartment right now. Yeah. And her lease is almost up, so we've been looking for a house. But um, yeah, we got a house Finally, this weekend. It's like in the nick of time, too. Just in the nick of time. So good. So we're excited. Um, there's like a lot of specific things that we are praying for, for a house. Mm. And it's like really hard to trust Jesus with all those yeah. things, right? You're like, <laughs> okay, um, we want a house in this like school district <laughs> and um, this price and all these things. And I feel like the Lord answered all of those prayers yeah. for a house wow. and more. That's so, amazing. Things that we weren't praying for, like a yard and a screened in porch, you wow. know, like we got those things and um, we're just really excited That's about so it. That's so cool. That like goes back to a couple podcasts ago and we we're talking about these big prayers that we yeah. have and just being able to check off that prayer ledger and saying, wow. God, like you actually care about the small things. Right. You know, I know you care about my salvation. Mm -hmm. I know you care about like these big things in my life, but that he really cares about the details of it. Yeah. How amazing is it that there's 7 billion people in the world and he cares about all the little details of our life? Yeah. It's been really encouraging because there's a lot of areas right now that I feel like I'm struggling to trust the Lord. Wow. And so I was thinking about this the other day when I was getting ready for church that um, even just in this provision of a house, I feel like he's trying to show me, hey, it's okay to trust me yeah. um, with the big and the small. So I feel like he's been trying to work that out of my heart wow. over the past couple of days. But That's I'm excited. Really cool. I'm excited to move. And I don't know. We signed a long lease. so Two years, right? Two years. Man. So hopefully That's the that'll... Best. I hate moving. Cannot yeah, stand it. Packing up boxes, putting in the moving truck, getting it out of the moving truck. And I'll be honest with you, I hate asking people to help me. Oh, move. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, you it's feel like you're a burden. it's their fault we're moving. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which Christy's the complete opposite. She's like, I love helping people move, and I love asking people to help because it's just a party because she's an Enneagram 7, and okay. everything's a party to yeah. her. Yeah, I'll have to add her to our to invite add to her move to, Add her to the list. I'll watch the kids. <laughs> okay, perfect. That's good. I don't have any kids. I, you can watch your own. <laughs> I'm like, please, I don't ever want to move ever again. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some a lot of transition that's going on. We, we just hired an executive pastor yeah. at our church, John Barry. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we're pumped about him having him and Pepper. Mm -hmm. Her name is Pepper. Yeah. And don't, please don't walk up to her if you're in Indianapolis, Indian, uh, Indianapolis. <laughs> Two words. I was going to say Indy and then Indiana and then, you know, but wherever you are, if right. you ever meet Pepper, just don't say the salt joke because, you know, yeah. she's heard it. She's heard yeah. that one, which is funny. <laughs> yep. Do you, you know this? I know right? this story, Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so we have a guy that is like not really on our staff, but is on staff at Youth for Christ. His name is Jamarius Burnside, and he spearheads all the mentoring programs that we're developing in the um, inner city area that we serve in. And his nickname is Sauce. 
Yeah. And so he goes over to John and Pepper's house and <laughs> <laughs> and, and he meets Pepper and said, and so Pepper's like, hey, my name's Pepper. And he goes, oh, what's up? I'm sauce. And she thinks he's saying salt. <laughs> salt. So she's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. You know, the whole time being all like sarcastic and, you know, all honorary with him and stuff. And she, he's like, what? It's like, what, what did, did I, I do? do? What did I say? <laughs> so all that is to say, just don't do the salt and pepper thing. Yeah. If you want to grate, if you want to grate on peppers, get that. See what grating the pepper? Isn't that what you do? You grate pepper? No, that's grating uh, cheese, right? Yeah, you grate cheese. Man, I thought I had a good pun right there. I don't there. know what you do with pepper. You, you like crunch cr- it up? Crush it. <laughs> crush. Cracked. 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 Cracked pepper. That's what it so is. So if you want to <laughs> crack pepper's nerves, mm-hmm. say a salt joke. Salt. That was really bad. That's all right. Oh, well. We got a great podcast today. <laughs> yeah, we do. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're interviewing a friend of mine, um, Brian Cromer. And he explains how we met and all of that stuff. So I don't need to necessarily explain that. But what you need to know is that he's a church planter Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati, the Cincinnati area. And he's planting out of ARC, Association of Related Churches, which is we are an an ARC-affiliated church as well. And um, and it's just a phenomenal thing to have family in the ARC community of people who are planting churches. And now we're so excited to have Brian and Heather so close to us. They're close, yeah. An hour and a half or so away. Um, and so, so Brian and I drove an hour each way, <laughs> you know, each of us met halfway in like what, Greenberg, Indiana okay. or something like, and literally we sat down at a barbecue place to eat lunch and looked at the waitress and was like, Hey, is there a cool coffee shop we can grab coffee at? And mm-hmm. she looked at us like, I, I can't describe the look to you. Like, do you know where you are? Like <laughs> coffee shop in Greenberg, Indiana. Oh, There's no. no, no, no such thing. So we literally had to go through McDonald's drive through to get our coffee, which, you know, to wow. hipster church planters like us, that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. Unfair. So, but we got into some really good conversation and, um, and it really kind of took me back to when we started the church. Mm-hmm. You know, his story is similar in the sense that their parachute dropping is what yeah. you call it, where you're not familiar with an area. You didn't live in an area. You don't have networks um, and relationships necessarily in that area. And you just kind of move from a different area to a city or to an area and plant a church called mm-hmm. parachute dropping. And I would, I would, I would probably highly discourage any church planter from doing <laughs> that because it's probably the hardest way to plant. It's, it's not, there's no easy way to plant a church, right. but it's probably the hardest way to plant a church because it takes so much time, like years to dig roots into a community build networks, mm-hmm. build relationships, establish trust. Right. And, um, you know, I, so it just kind of brought me back to a lot of those times of trying to figure out, you know, and, and being disillusioned by by church planting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Emily. You've mm-hmm. been with us since the, almost the very beginning of our... Yeah, spring of 2013. Yeah, since, mm-hmm. since Resonate started. What do you feel like has been the hardest thing for you about church planting? Ooh, that is on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a really good question. I think a lot of it goes back to just relationships. Mm. Uh, kind of like what you were saying you have to build trust with people, right? And yeah. so I think part of the fact that we meet in a middle school, yep. uh, and we have ever since the beginning, we've moved middle schools, but we've always met in a middle school, I think creates this um, maybe like a barrier to people yeah. believing that we're actually invested in this city. Like a real church? Yeah, people <laughs> see, hey, well, they don't have a building, and so like, are they going to stay here yeah. for a very long time? Or if I invest in this church... 
are they just going to pull out? And right. so I feel like establishing trust with other people has been really hard. Um, I think the other piece that has been difficult is building building deep roots, but yeah. with like uh, our personal lives mm. too. So um, when we first moved to Indianapolis, we essentially moved here for the church. Yep. Um, we didn't have a lot of like strong ties right after college um, with people that we knew, you know, we're moving certain places right. and Kent was just applying um, to graduate schools everywhere. And so when he got accepted to IEPY, we were like, let's go to Indy because we already have friends that resonate. Yeah. Um, and because you co-labor together, right? Yeah. Those relationships bond really quickly. But I think we found that in our personal lives and probably still struggle with this, what is life outside of our church plant? Right. You know, um, which is, I think a, is healthy balance right. to try to figure right. that out. But, um, just building like really deep friendships, yes, that are rooted in the church, but also, hey, what's our, how do we like invite people to church? What's our avenue yeah. uh, to invite people in? Because if we just stay like focused on ourselves the whole time, our church won't grow and people won't meet Jesus. Right. So you have to figure out what that avenue is. That tension so. between like, you know, being in Christian community, right. people who are like-minded, who can help spur you on and, and stir you up, but then also like going out into the world. Yeah, you know? like, like doing evangelism yeah, in your own life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so that's so key. That's so huge. And that's like when you start a church that, you know, that mind I mean, that needs to be the mindset of all of us as believers. Yeah. But it's vital for those who are starting a church because that is the ingredient to getting a church going. You know, I heard mm-hmm. one time that the best evangelism tool is church planting. Because there is this mindset of we've got to we've got to see people who are far from God come to know Christ, yeah. And so there's a focus, an intense focus on that. Whereas when a church gets larger and more established, there there that that stays the focus of a lot of churches. But it, but the focuses are also then split between some other things. You know, mm-hmm. how do we disciple the people who have come through our doors, and how do we equip them for ministry, and how do we? So it becomes these other things um, as well. And so it's just so hard to find that tension and that balance. But I think it's a healthy thing for yeah. all of us as believers to find that tension and that balance because we are called to go and make disciples, mm-hmm. right? That's the very last thing that Jesus told us to do as believers. And so um, I was talking to Brian a little bit. We were talking over lunch and, you know, just being reminded of like even even my sanctification, my growth in my walk with Christ has been so tied to planting a church, um, the ministry that I do. And I think that's really important to understand that God uses these things in your life to grow you in your walk with Christ. Yeah. And and there's even like, there's going to be pain involved with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about some of the relationships. There's so much, if you talk to any church planter, they're going to they're gonna have stories and stories and stories of pain of relationships. Yeah. You know, people leaving, people being upset, people misunderstanding the vision, people trying to hijack the vision, growth happening. And so then, you know, someone's one arm's length away. And so then they become two or three right. arm's lengths away. And then there's the the relational tension of like, we used to see you all the time. We're not, you know, so there's these things that happen in these growing pains. There's like stretch marks that mm-hmm. take place in a church um, that's really, really tough. And it creates th- a lot of pain. And I don't know I don't know if it's avoidable or not. I mean, I think there is some things that are definitely avoidable. You have mm-hmm. to learn how to navigate those things really, really well. But I think that God will use some of that pain in a church planter's world and really in anybody who's doing ministry. <laughs> like yeah. we all should be doing ministry mm-hmm. in some context. He's going to use that pain to grow us. And um, and I think the other thing that really was, was really cool about our conversation was just kind of illuminating the idea that it's going to take a long time. Yeah. Right. Like 
there's no, all the metaphors that Jesus used about growth, and this pertains to our growth in our walk with Christ personally, mm-hmm. right? And also our, our growth if we're trying to start a business or an organization or our growth if we're, you know, starting a church, whatever it is, anything that is lasting, that is worth building mm-hmm. is going to take a long time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. And we live in a culture where we want it now. We're mm-hmm. like a microwave, right? And and God tends to operate on crockpot yeah. um, type principles. And so we... Um, we we were disillusioned by that when we moved here. We came out of some really fast-growing churches and hearing a lot of fast-growing church stories, right? Yeah. So New Spring Church was this ba- massive, fast-growing church and mm-hmm. elevation churches right down the road. And, you know, you hear about Rick Warren out in Southern California. Yeah. But what you don't hear about underneath the surface of all of those things is you don't hear the story of Perry Noble starting New Spring Church after having done 10 years of ministry in that area. Right. Right, or Stephen Furtick doing several years of ministry, um, itinerant speaking ministry in that area before he started, you know, Elevation Church, and even Rick Warren, same thing, itinerant speaking quite a bit, establishing roots, building trust, and so it goes back to like Dave Ramsey's principle. It says every overnight success story is ten years in the making. Wow, yeah. And so I think the pain of uh, the pain of even like planting deep roots in anything that you do that's worth doing Mm -hmm. that's going to last is growing us and stretching us and teaching us so that when growth happens, your shoulders, so to speak, your metaphorical shoulders yeah. can handle the weight of that growth. Yeah, that's good. And it, it and the blessing doesn't become a curse. Yeah. And so I think we've seen that in our story is going, mm-hmm. okay, God's growing this thing gradually and smallly, so, s- smallly, <laughs> <laughs> small, uh, in small increments yeah. so, that, um, so that the blessing that he's putting in our church doesn't become a curse to us and crush us. Yeah, so, I feel like it brings the analogy to my brain of like tilling the ground before yeah. you ever plant your garden. Yep. So there, there is that front work that you have to do. And I feel like we even see that now as we branch off into different aspects of our church or like different ministries that we start. Right. You have to do a lot of like labor on the front end to till up the ground so that when you plant, right. that seed stays and like is protected by the soil around it. Right, you know? right. Absolutely. And I think that we, I think we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I preached on this similar concept that like failure is giving up. Yeah. Like failure is not like making a mistake or falling down or anything like that. Or it taking a long time. Yeah, Yeah. or it taking a long time. That's not failure. Yeah. You'll have those little small failures in the process of that, right? But you learn from those failures. True failure is giving up. And true success is perseverance. Yeah. And finishing the race. And we're not called to necessarily have a certain size ministry. We're called to have a faithful ministry. Mm -hmm. We're called to be faithful in all things and steadfast. And so if that encourages you even right now before we jump into the podcast or into the interview, like... Um, just be faithful in whatever mm-hmm. you're doing. You know, don't give up. Um, Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary. I think Brian actually mentions this. Does he? <laughs> do not grow weary in well-doing for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And so maybe someone who's listening to this just needs to hear like, hey, keep digging in, keep yep. digging deep roots and whatever that is. You're, when it's investing in your kids, if you're a mom, when it's, um, if you're trying to grow a business in relationships, mm-hmm. you know, around you that you really are like, man, this is worth the investment in ministry and building a church or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. Just keep, keep on going. But yeah. why don't we stop hearing me talk <laughs> and let's listen to Brian. Yeah. So let's hop in and listen to your interview with Brian Cromer.
Hey, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Brian Cromer. Brian, great to have you, man. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much. We are now only two hours away from each other because mm-hmm. you are in the process of planting a church in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Come on. What, Cincinnati is called the what? The Queen City. The Queen City. Mm-hmm. And your church is going to be called? Queen City Church. I, I can't say going to be because you got roots on... I mean, you're there. It like, is. You've planted. You're Been on the ground. Four weeks. Four weeks. Yep. Uh, how's the cold? Because you're coming from from Dallas, Texas, and Birmingham, Alabama. How's the cold weather been for you? It's been good. We asked for four seasons, and God definitely gave us four seasons. <laughs> the first literally 24 hours that we were there was the biggest snow that they've had all year. Oh, man. So it was good. We dove right in. I promise it does get better. Spring does come. Yeah. There is hope, man. We're excited for spring and Sunday's fall. Sunday's coming. You're yeah. living in Saturday. <laughs> Sunday's coming, dude. It's so great. Well, I'm so I'm so glad to have you guys close by. We've um, struck up a friendship over the past couple of years and have so much um, commonality, so many things that that we like to connect on. And I've uh, just gotten to spend some time with you. And I'm just admire and respect you as you've been walking through this whole process yeah. as a as a husband, as a father, and um, as a pastor. And so I want to dive into some conversation. But first, why don't you just fill in the listener from your perspective? How did we meet? Kind of what's brought you to this place? Give us a little story, backstory on, on this yeah, whole thing. Yeah, so it was November a couple years ago, and um, I heard about a church planner in Indianapolis that went through something really challenging, really hard, lost his wife. And um, i never forget the next day in a meeting, I was serving on staff at Gateway Church in Dallas and um, overseeing student ministry there, and we had all our student pastors from, and we prayed for you. Mm. And um, the next, literally six days later, I took a a team from Gateway to go to New Spring to study their student ministry there Mm -hmm. on a Wednesday night. And uh, with a mutual friend, I walked into their green room that night and somebody said, hey, I want to introduce you. Mm -hmm. This is Davey Blackburn, Mm -hmm. and he's a church planner in Indianapolis. And instantly I knew Mm -hmm. that's the Davey that we prayed for. The, just wow. six days before that. Wow. And as soon as that happened, I felt like the Spirit of God talked to me and just say, Brian, treat him like a guy. Mm. Don't treat him like that guy. Yeah, wow. And so from that night on, like we just hung out, we talked, and uh, we talked church planning, we yep. talked college football. Yep. And uh, just from then on, it just felt like, man, this is just a brother. This yeah. is somebody that's just a good friend. And ever since then, I felt like God just has really... You know, just bless that relationship. Yeah. I remember that being super refreshing that night. It jolted, it had to jolt me out of it a little bit because your first questions were like about church planting. And I'm like, that's not the questions people are asking me right now, but it was very refreshing. And I just felt this immediate kindred spirit where I was like, this guy, there's something, there's a, there's a special anointing on his life. There's a special aura about him that just made me want to like, be around you, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I just appreciate that that night. Yeah. So you were serving at the time at Gateway um, under Pastor Robert Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had been a youth pastor there. Tell me a little bit about your journey, even leading up to Gateway, what yeah. got you into ministry um, and and kind of your some of your time there at Gateway, and then now this transition into planting a church. Talk to yeah. me a little bit about that. Well, you know, I, I grew up in church. I, I literally looked it up, and I was born on a Saturday and I'm pretty sure the next day I was in church. <laughs> like it was like I feel like that was our family growing up. Yeah. And the truth is, I knew a lot about God, 
but I did not have a relationship with God, a very mm. huge difference. And everything changed for me when I was 18 years old, had an encounter with God that changed my life. And I knew from an early age that God had called me into full-time ministry. And so I pursued that. Um, my wife is from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee originally. And um, and whenever it was full-time ministry, we told God, whatever, wherever. Mm -hmm. That was kind of our, mm -hmm. our whole motto. And that led us halfway across the country to a little small town called Sulphur Springs, Texas. Hmm. It's as big as it sounds, and um, <laughs> it was amazing. It's where we cut our teeth and wow. um, served there for five years and then got a chance really supernaturally to get connected to Gateway Church mm -hmm. and also to um, a church in Birmingham, Alabama called Church of the Highlands. Mm. And uh, those two houses really have impacted and shaped me through my relationship with Highlands. I went and served at an amazing church in Oklahoma City and got to serve there before going on staff at Gateway Church, uh, where I got to serve for almost four, uh, five years, wow. almost five years serving, overseeing student ministry there. Um, and during that time, honestly, church planning never was on my radar yeah. until God spoke it to me. Wow. I've always been very driven, but never ambitious. And so my whole mentality is I put my head down, whatever God asked me to do, and then eventually he or one of my authorities will tap me on the shoulder and say, it's time to go do this. Wow. And that's honestly what church planning was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's something that was just this undeniable, I knew that God had called us, that he had literally put inside of us. Mm. My wife hates it when I say this, but I felt like I got pregnant. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's nothing I could do that's to stop it. it. It was growing each and every day. And I knew I didn't want to have it early because <laughs> yeah. that's unhealthy and yeah. I didn't want to have it too late. That's wow. unhealthy too. And so after um, you know a year and a half of submission, mm. Mm -hmm. uh, under Gateway Church leadership of just, please help me navigate this. Um, they came a little over a year ago and said, it's time for you to pursue mm -hmm. this full time. Um, and so we knew that uh, what we felt like God called us was to take a step before the step. Yeah. And so we ended up, we knew that that was going to be through ARC, Association of Related Churches, world-class church planning organization, planted over 760 churches in the United mm. States, 93% success rate after five years, wow. world-class, and they're our family. And so mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, we knew that we wanted to learn from Highlands and our family there. And so we, we spent about a year there just learning, going through the ARC process, right. uh, serving that church, and uh, just learning so much, being a sponge and soaking up everything we could until uh, literally a month ago where we knew that that God had... Um, and so the, the, the non-sexy answer yeah. is, why are we planning a church? Because we believe God's told us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why are we Why are we doing it in Cincinnati? Because we feel like God's told us. Right, I know right. this, that's not the most sexy thing in the world, but I've come to just in my heart, I've mm -hmm. settled the fact that success is obedience, yeah, that's period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Joshua one eight says, if you listen to God's word, you don't deviate it from the left to the right. It says you will be successful in all that wow. you do. And so that success is obedience. And so if I, my job is to be as close to God as I possibly can, to hear his voice so that then I can just simply do what he tells me to do. Yeah. And if I do that, I'm successful. And yeah. so um, that's led us to Cincinnati. And honestly, we just feel like we've had a supernatural love for the city. It's the best way I can describe it. Wow. It's almost like we're home. We just haven't lived there yet. Mm. And um, it was like when we moved stuff off of our U-Haul trailer, 
I felt like I was also searching for my burial plot. Wow. And I'm going to love and serve yep. that city till yep. the day I die. Yep. And um, that's just something that's supernatural love for a city. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that's, you know, it, I mean, it is, it's rare. Uh, I think every church planner would like to say that's in that, that's in them, but it's rare to find somebody who says, hey, I'm going to invest my entire life and, and it has the long game perspective in it. You know, uh, I think I've heard it said probably from multiple different places that we far overestimate what God can do in one year and we underestimate what he can do in five, 10, Absolutely. 20 years. Absolutely. But it's a long game perspective. And I love the the part of your journey and the parts of your journey that were very honoring to the authority above you. Um, and so even as I'm sitting here listening, one of the common denominators we say on this podcast, one of the common denominators of life is pain mm. and in ministry with a family. And then in the nature of the family that you have, there's going to, there, there is a lot of probably stories of pain and trial and hardship. Yep. And, um, and so I, there's a couple facets that I want to talk about with you on that. But one, first, while we're on the topic, talk to me a little bit about the pain of pregnancy with this vision, because yeah. you're, you're in a space where you're like, God's got something else for me, and yet I'm here, mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out how to be honoring with that. And I'm sure that was probably running, rubbing some pain points in yeah. that season. I mean, we had several conversations, yeah. and even in those conversations, you were extremely honoring, but you're like, man, I'm just wanting to get out on this thing. Ready. And you didn't want to have the baby early, quote unquote. You didn't want to have it late. How would you advise somebody through that process? And maybe it's not church planting for them, but maybe they're in a waiting season yeah. where they're going, what is God doing in this waiting season for me? I yeah. know there's something else that he has for me, but he hasn't thrust me into that opportunity yet. How would you, in your experience, advise through that, as well as maybe what are some of the things you felt through that? Yeah, well, I mean, we live in a culture today where everything is immediate. Mm -hmm. If we want something, we can have it. If yeah. we want an album, we can find it on Spotify or right. Apple Music, or we can download it, or we can Netflix it, or we can do mm -hmm. whatever we need to do to be able to get whatever we want whenever we want it. That's so funny. I used to have to save up money when I was at like middle school and then go to the CD store. Oh, right? absolutely. And then like actually buy the jewel case. Yeah, not anymore. We used to go we used to go to Blockbuster and rent right. video games to see if we wanted to eventually buy them. <laughs> you know, but now it's 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 not. We have instant access yeah. to everything and even material things. We can order it in Amazon Prime. We get it yeah. the next day or yeah. same day delivery. Right. And and you know like when it comes to these God-sized dreams, I think there's just this process that's involved in it. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, there was times, there was these tensions that were constantly there and these tensions to manage mm. of, I know what God's called me to, but I'm not there yet. What do I do right now? And really for me, it was all about, there's things that are in my heart right mm -hmm. now, but what's in my hand is different than what's in my heart. Oh, wow. And so what do I do whenever the things that are in my heart are not or what's actually I'm being asked to do, the things that are in my hand? Wow. And for me, what I, what I felt was like almost like the... Um, almost like a seesaw, I had to make sure that it was tipped in the way in my mind. So mm. it was what's in my head. I had to make sure that my thought life and my head was lining up with the things in my hand, wow. not the things that were in my heart. Wow. Because whenever I knew that that tilted, that my time, there's already an expiration date whenever that happened. And if I, so if I just, it was a daily asking God, help me so much to keep my mind on what's in my hand, yeah. to help me be able to give my very best each and every day to realize 
voice that you've called to me to what's in my heart, but that means that you're going to make sure that you help me get there yeah, and that I don't have to take control of that, that you're going to be the one in the control of that. And so for me, that was, that was, the, that was a tangible thing mm. that I, I felt like every single day I could do that. But then also, I think what was so important for me and looking back, I mean, especially somebody that's in a process of, of changing something or doing something big, is the value of submitting that to spiritual authority. Wow, yep. Um, the fact that, that I, I literally hand, took my hands off of it mm. and said, I trust you with my dream wow. that's in my heart. I will never talk about it. Right. I will never force it. And I trust you to help me navigate it. Mm. And, um, and it was, it was, and I just think, and I was waiting for, the biggest thing I was waiting for, Davey, was unity. Yeah. Mm. And uh, because Psalm 133 yep. is something that I love so much, and it's, 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 it's this random chapter in Psalms, and it talks about oil and beards and all this type, <laughs> but like the whole point of it is about unity, and mm-hmm. that unity commands a blessing. Right. And I knew I did not want to go into this season of planting a church wow. without being blessed in wow. this season. And I, I, and I just, I knew in my heart that came from the unity with the people that were my spiritual covering. Yeah. And I've been able to maintain that spiritual covering throughout this whole process, that's which so has good. been invaluable to me, invaluable. Yep. yep, that's so good. Because what you're talking about when you say, hey, I'm trusting my dream to you, that you you're talking about, yeah, it's, it, okay, it is the Lord. But what you're really talking about, you're talking about an actual physical person, spiritual yep. covering, mm-hmm. like the spiritual fathers in your life and the authority that God's put over top of you, mm-hmm. which is, that flies in the face of what our culture tells us Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Culture says, well, if you don't like your authority, then get out from under the authority and go do your own thing or go, you know, and yet God's economy, it seems like he blesses. I mean, it's very clear in scripture. He blesses the structure of authority, that the authority that is over you is there because God placed it there. And so what you're saying is like, I'm going to relinquish this control over to my authority because it's really in the hands of the Lord to change the heart of the authority, yeah. right? Well, you, you never know that that if you're really submitted to authority until you disagree. Wow. And until you're willing to, well, I think something should be a certain way, but maybe they think it shouldn't. That's when you really know, am I submitted or am I not? Wow. What's the, I mean, you said blessing is one thing. Is there any other like values or benefits to being submitted to authority? Yeah, I mean, a- absolutely. Um, I, I just think for covering, mm-hmm. I think for counsel, uh, the fact that I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I've never done this before. Wow. Um, for me to be an expert at something I've never done is not the smartest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I had people and counsel that I could constantly bounce things off of. And so I still do that. I have yep. I have yep. I have people that are that are my authorities, that are that are my overseers that I talk to on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and go through decision making and make sure that I have accountability and covering in my life. And I submit, and right. every single month I have a conversation with each of them individually and just tell them, I give you full permission to speak into not just this area of my life, but any area of my wow. life. Mm-hmm. And if you see anything that shouldn't be what it, or if anywhere I can get better, or if anywhere I can be better as a husband, as a father, as a follower of Jesus, as a leader, as a pastor, as a church planner, you name it, I give you full permission. Yeah. And I do it constantly. Because yeah. I think it's I think it's important for me right. to to continually communicate that, to not make 
any assumptions that we know that that's this relationship. Mm-hmm. Have did did you see like <laughs> any any like dark places of your heart get exposed during this process? What what did the, what did it tell you about you that maybe you weren't? Ooh, I don't know. I don't like that about me. Yeah, um, I think I think some of the biggest things for me is every single day, Davy. I, I, I truly try to go before God and ask Him. They search my heart. Mm. Is there anything in there that's motivating me that is not from you? Is yeah, there anything? Wow. Is there any dark corners as even as small as it could be? That doesn't line up with you, and if it is, mm. please either through you speaking to me, through other people speaking to me, will you reveal that? And that's I think it's a dangerous prayer to pray yeah. because He will answer it. But you know, at, at the end of the day, I know that God's called me to do this. Yeah, I know. Like it is not. I've done the hard work of knowing that th- this the only reason why I'm doing this. Right. There's nothing inside of me that is. Um, that needs this. Like I tell mm-hmm. people all the time, I don't need this. I, mm-hmm. I don't have to prove anything. I, I, I don't need to show that I'm elite. There's no insecurity itch inside of me that's getting scratched yeah. to do this. Right. And um, even recently, I was processing with God, and um, at, at the whole beginning of this thing, I felt like He told me, don't ask anybody to go with you. And um, mm. Davey, I've, I've, I've been a part of great churches. Yep. I've learned ministry. I've been doing this for 14 years. I've learned I can't do it by myself. <laughs> right. And like, that's what they teach us. Right. You can't do it by yourself. But so I kind of push back on God and say, God, I like, I, yeah. Like, are you sure? I, I need and people I, to come I, with me. <laughs> absolutely. And I felt like he put his heavenly finger in my face mm. and the most dad stern voice I feel like he's ever talked to me. And he said, Did you put that dream in your heart or did I put that dream wow. in your heart? Wow. And I know, I said, God, you put that dream in my heart. Wow. He says, so do you not believe I will provide everything and everybody wow. that you need to do what I put in there? That's good. And um, I think the things that have been exposed in me is things like, okay, there's times where I want to take control. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a self-confessed control freak. Yeah. And even in this process, to want to take control or to work hard and think that I'm the one that's providing for me. Yeah, when yeah. I know that I know that I know that God and God alone has been my provider wow. every single step of the way. But there's so many times where I know that I just naturally lean towards, okay, I'm going to take it on. <laughs> yep. I'm going to carry the world on my shoulders. I'm going to be the one. And it's at the end of the day, if you go through all that language, it's pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's thinking that I can control things better than God can control yep. things. And um, you know, and that th- those things have been definitely exposed and kind of highlighted in, and just great opportunities, not just to be exposed, but to grow. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to not let that be something that defines me. Right. That that's well, that's just that's just who I am, Davy. Right. You know, no, right. like absolutely not. Like the things that I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace the conviction of that moment and say I'm gonna move forward. Yep. I'm going to get better. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit inside of me empower me to live differently and change me. And um, so absolutely learned a lot about myself. Wow. This has probably um, been also quite a transition for your family too. Absolutely. And um, I want want you to give the listener a little bit of history on on your family 
right? Um, your wife, two kids. Yep. But tell us a little bit about some of the family dynamic. Yeah. That, that so, you had so at home. my wife, my wife Heather, and I, we've been married for uh, almost fourteen years. In May, it'll be fourteen years. Um, and so um, we uh, we have two two little boys. I call them two little consequences of passion. And uh, um, and so we have a six year old son. His name is Jordan. And then we have a three year old son. And his name's Caleb. And um, and so um, yeah, they've been they've kind of been every single step of this journey. Yeah. Uh, from this and made a couple moves and a couple transitions and new schools right. and all that fun Which stuff. Which can be tough. Mm-hmm. For families, Absolutely. and this, uh, let me just pause right here because I'd love to talk a little bit about this. Because there's so many times that you hear, uh, maybe God's impressed on someone's heart or a, a couple's heart. They're supposed to make a move to go do ministry or for or something, right? But but they're like, well, I don't want to disrupt my kids, the flow mm. of my kids. How would you commentate on that? Because you know, yeah. you, you felt this. Okay, God's calling us to move yeah. our family to go plant roots in the city because I think it's very important to plant roots with yeah. your family, right? But but this the, in the process of planting for you, you had to uproot some roots a couple times. You moved from Dallas to Birmingham, you know, temporarily, and then on to Cincinnati after you received some of your training. So yeah. what was the decision-making process with that when it came to your family? How did that affect your family? How did you lead your family through that? Yes. Um well, one thing, Davey, that, that we try to do a lot, and honestly, as a, as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a leader, almost daily, even having this conversation in my mind, I feel like I'm praying James 1.5. Yeah. If any of you need wisdom, ask, and our generous God will give it to you. Mm. It's one of my favorite promises in Scripture. So good. It's not that if you do everything right, He'll give you wisdom, or if you check off all your boxes, He'll give you wisdom, yeah. but it's if you just ask. And so to literally have a relationship with him where I'm inviting him into every single mm. area of my life, including my future, including my family, include every single part of my life, I'm inviting him in. And so this whole process, Heather and I, we really tried to invite him in, and we felt like he downloaded to us some ways to be able to really walk this out, not just wow. yep. us as a couple, but us as a family. Mm. And so um, my wife is incredible, and she got these amazing ideas. And so we created this year-long calendar um, that every single day we got to cross off a day and that we could see coming well in advance. Here are the things that are coming. Here's the step along the way. And oh, I'm cool. telling you, explaining to then at the time a five-year-old and then at the time a two-year-old yeah, yeah. that you are planting a church. Wow. That is, I mean, if you can do that and they can <laughs> like, understand what? it, I mean, it is a miracle from God that uh, that happened. And so, My you know, kids still don't understand whether we're going to school or church or yes. not because our church is in a school. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> school. Yeah, so. And then they're like, wait, are we going to like the like the church as in like the offices? Because that's a totally separate building. Oh, are we yeah. going to church as in like yeah. the church that's at the school? Explain <laughs> that the church is us. And right. it's kind of, right. okay, I don't get that. Um, but, you know, I, we tried our best to explain it over and over and over again. We'd have the messiest family meetings. They yeah. weren't pretty. They weren't like wow. calm and collective and everybody sitting in a circle and mm. we're all talking and understanding and praying together. No, the two-year-old was all over the place and probably <laughs> crying and, you know, throwing a temper tantrum because we wouldn't let him, you know, watch Super Y or whatever the case <laughs> is. And uh, uh, we just tried our best to continually have conversations with them, yeah. to bring them into the process, to ask them how they were feeling, mm. to let them ask questions. 
um, asked them if they were scared mm. and what what like what were they scared of and um, you know God has been so faithful mm. and so good through this whole process with them uh, to see them thrive to see them not take step backs developmentally to not take steps back socially yeah uh, but for them to really thrive through this and I think it's because it's the same thing that fuels us yeah they understood why we were doing everything mm. we were doing Wow. Wow. So it's not too early to, to start with why, to tell these Absolutely to tell our not. kids why. Absolutely not. We tried our best. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in a, a ministry family, and there are things looking back on it. You know, my dad's a pastor. My mom was very involved in ministry. And looking back on it, where at the time, it was like such a, you know, eye-rolling, like, oh, we're at church all the time. You know, I make jokes, you know, that I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open, you know? <laughs> but... On the, uh, but every time I say that joke on the coattails of it, I like to tell people, I'm so glad that that was the case Absolutely. though, because my parents involved me in ministry even before I knew why. And even before I really even liked it, Absolutely. I'll never forget Christmas Eve, every, every year, Christmas Eve, we would do the Christmas. We, my dad always wanted at the church to do a Christmas Eve communion. So, and he, he would tell our family, this is our chance for our family to serve our church family. So my mom and my brother and I, we would like host with like, hmm. you know, at the church, we would cook all this food and all these sweets and stuff. And so people would come in and they'd have, be sitting in the waiting room and eat the, eat the sweets while they're waiting to go into the sanctuary with my dad to do communion as, together as a family. And it was a whole night of this on Christmas Eve yeah. where all my friends were doing something else on Christmas Eve. You know, they were having whatever, their little, you know, Christmas Eve bashes at their houses with their families and all the family getting together. And here we are serving other people. And I never understood it at the time, but I was, now I'm grateful for it because it planted inside of me this seed of this is what our life's about. That's right. Serving other people. It's not about me. That's right. We would leave there and then go and, and sing Christmas carols and give cookies to shut-ins before we'd ever get home to do any of our Christmas stuff. Yeah. And it's what so my great. parents are trying, we're trying to instill is, hey, this is our life is about giving, not about receiving. So That's let's great. give. It's a blessing to give. We're blessed to be a blessing. So let's give. And now looking back on it, I'm so grateful for that. And and I'm constantly trying to ask the question: How do I involve my four year old and three year old in ministry? How do we get them involved in it so that they're growing up with that kind of a worldview and yeah. that kind of an understanding of That's things? Great. And that when Daddy does travel to go speak somewhere. Do they know why? Do they know what it, what it is that daddy's doing? And um, it's so it's funny. I just got back from Israel, and Christy did the same exact thing with the calendar. She had nine days, and she said, "Daddy is you know ministering to people where Jesus used to walk. How cool is this?" And okay. they just crossed out days for when daddy was going to get back, and made it a big deal and really creative. So, yeah. I think it's just a cool thing that through the process, and I'm inspired just hearing that through the process, you guys were very attentive. And asking questions of your kids. What are you scared of? What are you, because man, so oftentimes I think we just go like, come on, you know, like, let's just go, let's go along, let's yeah. go along with the process. And That's, there you hear things like, you know, they don't understand or they're tougher than you think they are. Yeah. And it's kind of sweeping the those emotions and those very real feelings right. sometimes under the rug of no, like we want to make sure that we are taking care, that we're prioritizing our family through yes. this. Um, and that we are making sure that we are understanding our, our greatest ministry are those two little boys, yeah. that we want to love them and serve them and be the greatest uh, representation of Jesus to them as mm. we can. And I know navigating that journey with them has yep. been it's such a high priority for us. Yeah. Well, you're also 
inviting an opportunity to shepherd their heart by asking those questions. You know, I just, I'm stuck on this question that you asked them. Are you scared about anything? Mm -hmm. What are you scared of in this process? I don't think I would have thought to ask that question, you know, in the process, if I was in the same shoes as you are, because I'd be like, well, well they're not scared. What are they scared of? Here's got, the thing. You know, I'm scared. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a, I got a laundry right. list of fears that I'm right. walking through, you know. But you're allowing yourself then to, to connect with your kids through this common mutual fear, but also be able to instill faith in them in the Absolutely. midst of that fear and say, hey, I know I'm kind of scared too about this, but here's what I know about God. Mm-hmm. We were having a conversation the other day. I was asking Weston if he remembers anything about his mom. And we're driving in the car and I just kind of was like, hey, buddy, you remember anything about mommy? And he was like, uh, no. And then he says, I wish I could go up to the sky and see mommy. Wow. So now here I am going, how do I explain heaven? And this concept of like us living a distinct life here on earth and then a distinct life in heaven and not longing to, like, like I want him to long for heaven but I don't want him to long for it so much that he is no earthly good, mm-hmm. you know? So how do I explain that to, how do I condense all of that theology into a three-year-old? And I just feel like the Holy Spirit of God, just like in that car, in that moment, gave me the exact words to say, because I was desperate going, oh no, how do I have this conversation yeah. with him? And I just said, hey buddy, I want to go see mommy too in heaven. And one day we will, if we have Jesus living in our heart and we've asked him to come into our life and forgive us of our sins, then we will see her in heaven one day again. But first, Jesus has this really big assignment for us where we got to help a lot of people. That's great. And when we're done helping all the people he wants us to help, then we'll get to go see her. So now he knows. He's like, Daddy, we're going to go see Mommy, but first got to help a lot of people. That's good. Isn't that just so cool that's, that like you awesome. have an opportunity, and this is what you're doing right now in your situation, is have an opportunity to instill kingdom values into your kids. Absolutely. And, and Brian, you have um, you have a challenging household, and you know everybody has their own challenges in their own household. But explain to us a little bit about specifically your your older son, Jordan. Yeah, so um, Jordan, um, around two years old, we started uh, seeing developmental delays in him. Up until that point, he was hitting every single developmental marker, uh, but it was almost like an overnight thing mm-hmm. where he just started regressing and stop developing in certain areas, specifically with interaction with other um, other people, and then speech was, mm. was a big one. And so um, that led us to ask a lot of questions. Um, but we're very thankful that God, uh, we really feel like, gave us wisdom uh, to even start asking the questions that we were asking, because it was our first son, and we didn't know. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to... Um, through testing and um, different programs that we started investigating, and we found out, we got the news that our oldest son uh, was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Mm. And, you know, whenever whenever you hear something like that and um, so much fear and insecurity and can we be the parents that that he needs and what does this mean for us long term right. and all these I mean, all these things just flooded our mind and in one in one conversation with the doctor one diagnosis everything changed in our life right um and so from then on we've just been navigating just kind of the realities of having a special needs son mm. and um and and the and the unique challenges that that brings to our family um also the the unique kind of amazing, beautiful things that that brings to our family as well. Right. And we've really, 
um, over the last four years, really, I mean, we we attacked this thing as much as we possibly yeah. could from every single possible angle. Of course, there's the spiritual angle of the we're praying and believing for right. God to do incredible things, but um, there's also the like we explored every bit of therapeutic angle that mm-hmm. we could from every type of therapy or help or program that we could find that we felt like was producing good results. We would. Um, try to try to let him be a part of that. Um, there was also dietary things that we studied and learned, and my wife is a researcher like crazy to yeah. understand everything that we could possibly do right. with the mindset of we're asking God for big things, but we know we want to make sure we do everything yeah. that we can to set him up to have a successful life. Mm. And um, honestly, what God has done in his life has been nothing short of a miracle mm. over the last four years. Um he was able to uh, start kindergarten in a general education classroom, yeah. uh, had some special needs kind of benefits that were attached uh, through his diagnosis. Um, but he has since been, he doesn't need any of those right now. He's mm-hmm. in first grade. He's thriving. He's on, he's on his uh, second school this year, zero mm-hmm. special needs, fully general wow. education, wow. And, and is thriving. Um, yeah. You know, but that doesn't mean that um, we don't have hard days. It doesn't yeah. mean that 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 the the journey hasn't been the most uh, easiest in the world. Mm. Um, but you know, one thing I think one of the biggest things that God has taught me throughout this whole thing is just because something is is hard, mm. that doesn't make it bad. Wow. Yep. yep. And and that some of the best things in life are some of the hardest things <sighs> that we have to go through. Wow. Uh, and how much life He brings to our in such perspective yep. that he brings that we've learned to celebrate and um, just, you know, that um, is such a gift yep. to us. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, you just said that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. I I preached a message a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think the week after you came and preached in my church right. on the idea of what if we changed our perspective on our trials and what if instead of looking at that is a, a, an, an obstacle. We actually looked at it as an opportunity. Mm, like that's maybe great. trials are ju- our training ground for this this future destiny that God has for us. This future version of us that's a that's that's a that's a better person, more loving husband, more loving father or mother. You know, closer follower of Jesus. You know, what if that was our perspective on our trials? Then we would like even welcome trials. And what Paul says: count it all joy, brothers. When you face trials and hardships of right. many kinds, because why? Because it's producing something for us, mm-hmm. right? There's something that's being produced out of this, and that hard is often is often the route that God takes us. Like it's not just this thing that we fall into; it's like the route that He takes us. You know, like the Psalm 23 talks about how it, you know He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake, and then immediately it says, "Though I walk through the valley of the shadow right. of death," I used to think that the valley of the shadow of death was punishment. I did something wrong, so now I wound up in the valley of the shadow of death, right? It's consequences for some sin. In fact, if you look at the juxtaposition of those two verses, right? He leads me in passive righteousness. Maybe the valley of the shadow of death, it's one of those passive righteousness that he leads us into. It actually shapes us into who we're becoming and who he wants us to to become. But he can only do that through hardship and through trial sometimes. Right. And um, what what has this taught you um, as you've been a father to Jordan, right? Yeah. what has it taught you about fatherhood? What has it taught you about God? What has it taught you about you? Well, I, I tell 
I tell pastors and leaders across the country, every time I get to share his story, I try to privately tell pastors because a lot of times people don't don't really haven't experienced that or maybe they don't mm-hmm. know. But anytime you hear anybody in your world that gets that diagnosis, it tells you something about their life mm. that the past few years have probably been really hard. Yeah. Um, and it's something like, cause you don't stumble into that diagnosis. No, uh-uh, you don't no. go in for a two year old checkup and right. Hey, he's grown this sudden, much hey, or yeah. he's, you know, now he weighs this much. And Oh, by the way, he's also on the autism spectrum. And you're not surprised like, by that. It makes, um, it like begins to right. bring clarity, but right. you're going, Oh my and gosh, so, we've been struggling through this. And stuff. so yeah. like, so really, I mean, there was a season Davey, yeah. where it was just extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, you know, where we are now, I'm so thankful for where mm-hmm. we are now, but that's not where we were. And we walked through some very incredibly challenging days as a family. And there was a stretch of about a year um, where we didn't know how we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the future was going to hold. And throughout that whole year, it's it's really cheesy, but I grew up in a very small conservative church that had VBS. <laughs> And there was this old school VBS song that was stuck in my head for a year. Mm. And it was about the wise man builds his house upon the rock. Mm -hmm. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down, the floods came up, and the wise man's house stood firm. Firm, And and that's referencing the end of Matthew chapter 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus preaches this unbelievable sermon, the most tweetable sermon of all time. (laughs) Uh, He hid everything, you know, and at the end of it, he goes, after you hear all these things, let me tell you, there's two types of people in the Mm. world. There's people that build their house on the rock, and there's people that build their house on sand. Mm. Both of them experience rain and floods, that every single person on this planet, nobody's exempt from the storms of life. Yep. The only difference is, is what you build your house on. Wow. And that both experience those rain, those floods, those storms of life, but the ones that build their house on the rock, Mm -hmm. their house stands. And I think everybody knows that, that has like read God's word or studied that that's talking about Jesus. That's talking about, I'm going to build my life on, on Jesus. I'm going to build my life on his ways, his way of doing things, God's word. Because what he says is is if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Yes. So it's being a hearer of his word and a doer doer. of his word. That if you do that, then you're building your house on a rock. But if you don't hear these words and put them into practice, you're like those that are building their house on sand. Yeah. Well, if Jesus is the rock, here was a kind of revelation light bulb moment for me. Everything else is sand. Wow. Everything. 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 Wow. And so during that moment, it's like God just kept for a year just bringing that passage of Scripture to my mind. Mm. And during that moment, we just made a decision, no matter what, we are building as a family, we are building our life on the rock. Wow. And that was that started with me, as a as the head of our household, yeah. as a me as my individual relationship with God. This is a storm, but I'm choosing myself, yeah. nobody else. I'm choosing to make sure that I'm building my house on the rock, but mm-hmm. also my family. Mm-hmm. We are going to be a family that serves God. We are going to be a family that loves it, God. Yep. We are going to be a family that builds our house on the rock. And no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Whatever storms may come, I know 
that our house will stand. That's it. And now looking back, I know there's anything <laughs> that we can go through. That yep. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Yep. But I know that our house is going to stand because we have made a choice every single day to build our house on the rock. Right. And that is the biggest thing. If that's anything I could go and tell people the rest of my life, wow. it's what are you building your life on? Wow. Because there's only one thing that's going to hold up. And you are we're all promised the yep. rains yep. and the floods mm-hmm. and the storms. Some of them are bigger than others, but we all are going to experience yep. it. The only difference is what you build your house on. Man. And if Jesus is the rock, everything else is sand. The job you have, it's awesome, hmm. but it's sand. The money and the possessions you have, yep. they're not bad, but they are sand. Yeah. And this is a big one for, for, for my wife and I. Our marriage mm-hmm. is great, mm-hmm. but it's sand. Mm. And I cannot build my life on it. Wow. There's only one thing that I can build my life on that's going to stand, and that's building my house right. on the rock on Jesus. Jesus, wow, that's so good. You guys have you know walked through this trial with your son, and um, and you know I, what, what I see in you, Brian, is that you've come out, uh, you know, not necessarily on the other side yet. You're still in it, but come out of some of the hard seasons of it um, with this greater capacity to love. You've been, um, I think, in a lot of ways, perfected in love. I think it's making you a, a good, it's making you a better leader, a better pastor, a better empathizer of people's pain. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met you, there was something in your eyes that told me that you had walked through pain because you empathized with me somehow. And um, there was like this, uh, this ab- above the surface or really below the surface, but above what we can see, connection that happened. And then later when I heard the trial that your family had and was walking through, it made sense to me. Right. And I was like, wow. And um, I've heard it said before, don't trust um, anybody who hasn't walked through pain, Mm. right? Because they think they know everything. Um, And it's until you've walked through some of that fire that you really get refined into being able to experience true wisdom, especially godly wisdom. And the, yeah. the you see the things of God that were kind of the hidden things of God. Um, but what what is what would you say in this process, how has this um, added to your household? Like, because pain adds to your household. Like, how has this added to your, uh, your marriage, you know, the relationship between you and Heather? Um, where you otherwise maybe wouldn't have some of the connection that you have because of the experiences you've gone through together. How, and honestly, some, sometimes this kind of thing can like tear marriages apart. What, what, did, what does it look like for you guys to make sure that you were um, tied together in a, you know, and strengthened through this process as a, as a couple? Yeah. Well, we've, we've, we try to do everything together. Um, we haven't tried to do anything solo or apart. We make decisions together. Uh, we're trying to walk in unity so that we can have that that blessing that yeah. that, that unity commands. And and we we really have we really feel like as a family, um, it's it's made us stronger. It's set our values. Yeah. Um, it's I think a lot of times you really don't know what your values are meaning. 
how you make decisions, yeah. why you make decisions. What are the things that you're going to say, hey, no, these are the things we will die on a hill yeah. for. Yeah. And these are the things that, that kind of those things that make you just grit your mm-hmm. teeth and say, no matter what, this is a line that we're going to hold. In. Yeah. And I think for us, we've been able to really define what those things are of what makes us us mm. as a family. And it's it's made us stronger. It's made us um, really be able to appreciate, love, value each other. Mm-hmm. And every single day that God gives us, realizing that it's so short. Right. I'll never forget that. The night that I met you, that you said at the table, mm. we're sitting there having dinner. And you and you said that that verse that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? Right. Because of how fast this this life is, yep. that it's so quick, that it's a vapor, that it's yep. here today, gone tomorrow, and to realize we are stronger than mm. what we think that we are, and that we can go through anything together, right? And um, and so I just know as as a family, it's it's brought us together. Uh, as as our marriage, we feel like it's galvanized us. It made yeah. us stronger. It made those vows not just something we said on May twenty second, two thousand and four, but mm-hmm. it's something we live each and every day um, as a conscious choice. This is who we are. It's defined, um, you know, who we are and our identities and yep. our values. And definitely, a hundred percent, it's it's taught us so much. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. What would you say to the person right now? who is walking through a very similar situation as you in regards to parenting a special needs kid. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do it with the, with that kind of loving patience, but maybe they're just at their, at their wits end, you know, to kind of close off this conversation with you. What if you had one last final word to just reach into their, we call this hope through their headphones, right? Yeah. Like if you just one, one word that you would, you would say to them one, you know, not not one word, but one one thing you would say to them that could really provide that hope for them. What what would that be? Well, I, I think first I, I would just tell you that that your child is an absolute gift from God, mm. and their perspective is a gift. That I know my little boy, even though he's seen so much health, so much healing, mm. um, that he's been able to you know, quote unquote, normalize um, that how he sees the world is just different Mm. and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we've come to learn to value it and to appreciate it and to want to hear it Mm. and to see the beauty in it. Yeah. And um, that I know there's so much purpose in my boy Mm. and, uh, and I see God's fingerprints all over Mm -hmm. him. And, uh, and I think if, if I could just, encourage if somebody's walking through those things to never give up on believing, to never give up on doing whatever you can do to help them have the best possible life that, that you're for, for your child, um, to never go through it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's days, I think of Exodus 17 all the time, Davey, of just how Moses could not hold his hands up. Mm. And the only way that they got lasting victory is when he had somebody hold his hands up when he was tired. Wow. And um, that we all need people in those moments that can hold our hands up. And I think if I could say anything, if I could encourage from God's Word in Galatians chapter 6, in verse 9, I love this scripture, and I believe it's something that has brought us hope so many times. And if, if you're somebody that you're fighting for your child, 
if you're fighting to give him the best help that he can and believing for God to do big things, and it's just maybe you're not where you think you should be or, or where you want to be, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Mm. Don't get tired. Keep doing it. Keep believing. Yep. Keep providing. Keep praying. Keep taking to whatever therapies or counselors, whatever you have to do. Let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Yeah. We will reap a harvest of blessing. Here's the key. If we don't give up. Wow. Just don't give up. Right. Don't quit. If you if you if you don't quit, you'll win. Yep. That's so good. Brian, I wanna I, I wanna just before we close, um, I believe God's got a lot of victory in your life ahead of you. One of the one of the finest moments I ever remember sharing with you, and I didn't I was just watching it, but when we were at Gateway Student Conference and you got up on stage and you told everybody this prayer that you had been praying for a long time for Jordan, that he would be able to quote unquote mainstream or normalize in a school in kinder by kindergarten. And it seems like such a trivial thing. I mean, it seems like that's right. just a small thing, but it was such a big faith prayer for you guys. Cause you're going, I don't know how this is going to happen, but God, we're asking for this to be a victory that we are, that our family sees. And you got to stand up and tell everybody, um, of, of how great God's victory has been in, in your life and answering that prayer and that miracle. And uh, man, I just believe that God's got a lot of victories for your family mm-hmm. um, across the board. I think what God's going to do through Queen City Church in Cincinnati, um, and I just think that just even here in your heart right now and knowing your kingdom perspective, there is, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fan, it's going to be an unbelievable oak tree. Mm. I think that's going to provide so much healing for a lot of people mm. because um, you have walked through hurt. Mm. Well, thank you so much. And um, and you'll continue to walk through hurt because mm-hmm. we're church planners. That's right. And we're going to hurt a lot. That's but right. hopefully what that does is that that secretes this anointing, this blessing onto other people where our brokenness can be used for other people's blessing. Absolutely. You know, so man, Absolutely. thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, it's an honor. Thanks Thank for this you. conversation. And, uh, and, and man, I can't wait to do this again with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Man, I love Brian Cromer. Brian Cromer. When he was here with Resonate, it was just real fun yep. to have him around. So yep. it's good to just spend some time listening to his heart again. And yep. um, yeah, just in general, getting to hear from him. So thanks and for having him on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm grateful that he came on the podcast and we're yeah. going to get to have him around a lot more often. Good. He and I were just like, hey, let's just swap preach for each other all the time. You know, like yeah, it's a quick, I mean, easy close. drive. Like I'll preach at Queen City and yeah. you come preach at Resonate. It'll be fun. Yeah. So, Speaking of the Queen City. Yeah. Hey, if you guys are from the Cincinnati area, uh-huh. even surrounding area. Brian is essentially wanting to meet with anyone and yeah. everyone. So uh, if you're from that area, I would recommend going to our podcast page at davyblackburn.com uh, and we'll have some of his contact information up there. So really, he doesn't want anything from you. <laughs> he just wants to make some connections yep. in the city. So if you'd want to meet with him, share your story, maybe hook him up with some other people in the yeah. city, uh, that would be great because yeah. he's in that tilling season. Just right. 
you know, tilling up the soil and Absolutely. trying to establish connections. That's so, so good. That's so good. Yeah. And this, if this podcast in general has been helpful to you, um, would you do us a favor and go and rate and review? Uh, you can do that anywhere where this is streamed. So you can do it on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps us out a lot. So we'd love that if you could do us a favor in that. And then um, also we uh, we would love to hear from you. If you yeah. have a story or, you know, if you have like um, uh, a story of how this podcast is is touching your life or if you have a suggestion of mm-hmm. folks that you'd love to hear, stories you'd love to hear being interviewed on this podcast. That would be great. Um, we would love for you to just send us an email at hello at davyblackburn.com and, um, and, and we'd love to just serve you in any way that we possibly can. Yeah. And finally, we want to thank our friend Ryan O'Neill who goes under the handle of Sleeping at Last. Mm-hmm. We want to thank him for providing the music for this. You can download all of his music, including his new Enneagram songs, which yes. I'm just got to say, I'm a huge fan of the three that mm-hmm. he did. I wept most of that whole podcast that he did on that. The I'm Sleeping a nine. at Last podcast. I, I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to have to wait a long Forever. time. I know. It's probably going to be the best one, though. It's going to crescendo at nine because he's a nine. True. So, All right. I can wait. But you should go and listen to his music, download it. Anywhere music can be downloaded and, downloaded and streamed, and that's Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, all of that stuff. And so make sure you uh, grab some of that. It's it's phenomenal stuff. But thanks so much for listening yeah, to the Nothing for Is sure. Wasted podcast. We'll catch you next time.